ladies and gents, welcome. And we are back with another episode of Delivery for Tony Stank. We will be talking about Eternals. Are you Tony's stank? So yes, Eternals, Eternals, um, an almost origin story for uh, Marvel. But before we get into it, I do want again just to shout out um, Corky for creating this fantastic overlay that you can see here. Obviously, did the Shang Chi ones well, um, and he's pretty much done for everyone up until uh, Spider Man, I think it is. So if you want to follow Corky, um, he is now using his, uh, I believe his, his Football Manager Twitter account, which is at Corky Blues FC. So please. Go give him a follow, show him some love. He's been a very uh, great supporter of the channel, uh, great supporter of the podcast. And um, yeah, he's, uh, with the goodness of his own heart, created this overlay and created a few different things for us as well. So um, yes, Corky, I really appreciate your support and, and, and help there. So please go give him uh, a wee follow. So, Eternals. Um, like I did with Shang-Chi, there's obviously talking points that I want to kind of go through. So um you know things about the like the plot theme acting cinematography editing effects sound music direction trivia and final thoughts um it's going to be kind of fast and loose with these I, I might might not even go through some of them um but uh yeah there's there's things i want to talk about now i'll give my first my initial thoughts um as to kind of, so you'll see how this plot this episode is going to go um and you know it gives you an idea if i'm going to be thinking the same as yourself I, I i don't know we will we'll we'll see um and uh and, and yeah one of the first things i want to talk about as well is actually the directing because it's a it's a it's a big part um of the uh of the movie obviously of course um but it's a big part of how i felt about the movie as well so um yes eternals Eternals, Eternals, Eternals. The plot of Eternals is the saga of the Eternals, a race of mortal beings who lived on Earth and shaped its history and civilizations. Now that is straight off of IMDb. Uh, that's not me writing it myself. But I went into the cinema to see this. It is directed by uh, and written by as well Chloe Zhao, who um, directed and wrote uh, Nomadland and actually won an Oscar for that. Um, stars a whole host of um, top actors so you've got Gemma Chan as Cersei, Richard Madden as Icarus, Angelina Jolie as Athena, Salma Hayek as Ajax, Kit Harrington as Dane Whitman, Kumal Nanjiani as Kingo, uh, Leah McHugh as Sprite, Brian Tyree Henry as Fastos, Lauren Ridloff as Makari, 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 can't remember, Barry Keoghan as Druig, uh, Ma Dong Siok as Gilgamesh um, and uh harish patel as karun who's or is it karen or karun i can't remember as the um basically steals the show essentially as a, as a sidekick to king uh kingo um right so first thoughts um i was very disappointed by this film now this come i i think part of the reason is because of um who was directed and written by but i'll get into that um there is people that have been hating on this film because of the diversity of the cast and because of things 
um like the the first op- openly gay um character in marvel uh if that is the reason that you don't like this movie or if that is the reason that you didn't watch this movie or if that is the reason that you um you know have things against this movie um i completely disagree with you and your point of view um if there's not if you don't have a logical reason for not enjoying something or or, or that and that's um and if that is the only reason that you didn't like something then i then um that is a, a massive cop out uh the diversity and things of that diversity of the cast is probably the the major positive of the of, or one of the major positives of the um the whole movie and it was fantastic to see different people different ways of life different um you know kind of yeah yeah that's it different ways of life that were that were shown on screen that aren't normally shown on screen i thought that was a fantastic thing that they did um so yes if that is why you didn't like the film or if that if you have any issues with that then um i i don't normally i don't normally get (laughs) i don't like to swear but uh yeah if that's what you think then fuck you uh because that is a really a big cop-out um so I was disappointed in this film because I really felt it was a lot of style over substance. Uh, it had the potential to be almost an origin story for our Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, these Eternals have been around for you know, since the beginning of time, essentially. That we'd obviously find out. Um, and it really had the potential to shape how the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh goes forward with things um and how it could explain different things that have happened throughout the marvel cinematic universe and it didn't it didn't it felt quite shallow for what should have been um a, a massive epic in in my eyes especially with the um with the types of characters and actors that they had as well so on that point chloe zhao the director and writer Chloe Zhao, who, as I say, um, won the Oscar for Nomadland. Um, I believe it was her f- one of her first uh, big films that she directed. Um, one of her first, sorry, actually, it's to be honest, her it was her third film that she directed, and she and she ended up um, winning the Oscar for Nomadland. So what I did, I I'd never seen Nomadland. It's on Disney Plus, um, and I I went to see Eternals in the cinema uh after watching Eternals, i actually came back and watched nomadland just to see what see if there's anything that i missed or if i'd taken something a different way that that potentially she um you know does things and i was actually met with the exact same issues that i had with eternals that i had with uh with nomadland so again fantastically acted um looked phenomenal uh, even on like a you know like a quite a small contained uh, sort of story that she had with Nomadland, um, but didn't really have much much substance to it, and that is exactly how I felt with Eternals. There there was great actors in there. There were some fantastic performances. Um, some of the visuals were just outstanding and 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 literally breathtaking. Um, but it just didn't have the meat behind it um which kind of 
not ruined it for me. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna sit here and say that it, that it made me hate the film or that it um you know that that I I left the cinema um you know feeling really uh that I, that I totally hated the film. I I didn't. I was just disappointed with the potential that was that was wasted um in my eyes in my eyes. So um yeah that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of my long initial thoughts actually that's probably that's pretty much my whole review isn't it um anyway <laughs> okay so what thing we're actually gonna do is we're actually gonna go through the plot um basically the wikipedia entry it does actually kind of talk through the whole plot um so i think we'll kind of use that as a as a uh as the kind of um you know way that we'll, we'll go through it so um We'll go through the plot, we'll, we'll chat about some bits and pieces that happen in there. So, first of all, uh, in 5000 BC, 10 superpowered Eternals, Ajax, Circe, Icarus, Kingo, Sprite, Fastos, Makari, Druig, Gilgamesh and Thena are sent by the celestial Arashem to Earth on their starship, the Domo, to exterminate the invasive Deviants. The last of the Deviants are killed in 1521 and the group's opinions differ over their continued responsibilities and their relationship with humankind. Over the next 500 years, they mostly live apart from each other, awaiting Arashim's return. Um, now, the obviously the starting uh, point was this, you know, uh, we see the, the Eternals um, almost be awakened by Arashem. Uh, and it was really interesting to see the fact that they didn't know each other. Um, so Cersei and Icarus look over the earth and, and, and chat about how beautiful it is. Uh, and you see the, the sort of, um, the romantic sexual, is it sexual if they're, I don't know. I don't know if, well, yeah, they, actually, I was going to say, I don't know if Eternals have sexual attraction or, or, or do the sex. Um, but we get a pretty, uh, we get a pretty, um, not explicit, but we get a pretty good understanding of this uh, later on. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, so it was really interesting to see that they, they didn't actually know each other. I, I, before the film came out, I obviously assumed that they were some sort of um, uh, some sort of group of, of people or beings um, that, you know, either travelled different universes or, you know, were, were kind of um, experienced in what they were doing and uh, and you know earth wasn't their, their first place that they'd they'd been to um uh, kind of do their thing <laughs> basically to to make themselves uh to help with the um advancement of of human civilizations um so yeah that was very interesting to see and then obviously they uh came down to earth um and saved this little boy from um, one of the deviants that came out of of the uh, the sea when they were when they were fishing. Now again, this is this is like um, the humankind at this time were obviously very basic. It was you know they didn't have any technology really, and and obviously um, after the Eternals came down, they were able to then support them along along the way, uh, which I thought was a very really really cool uh, a really cool way to do a really interesting concept in the the Eternals were the people that that um, advanced human civilization uh, very much in the same way that um, and this is what I got from the the ship as well the Domo uh, it very much looked like the 
um uh i can't remember what they called them but in 2001 a space odyssey there's the um the big black towery things it looked like one of those but on its side and those were obviously put there by aliens to help um advance civilization if you don't know 2001 space odyssey you're probably thinking what are you talking about massey but um yeah basically it's a similar kind of thing where there was a a monolith that's what they called it um a mon a, a black monolith so basically the eternal ship as it comes in horizontal it's basically that but vertical and plonked in the middle of um in the middle of like apes they then touched it and then they advanced um and and that happened all the way through into space travel and stuff like that as well so um that's kind of what where i think that they got the or that's where i think they got the, the influence from was that the eternals were essentially the monoliths um uh for humanity and for civilization and, and helped them then push on from there uh we get to see some of their powers so we obviously see uh icarus fly in as kind of superman sort of thing that he does um shooting bolts out of his eyes um very interesting to see a, a character so similar to superman and so similar to you know obviously dc which is the all you know marvel's competitors essentially or i mean i say com i say competitors but we're talking about uh i don't know i don't want to say they're a bitch but <laughs> yeah um yeah so it was important it was interesting sorry, to see a character very much uh in the vein of superman and apparently actually according to um uh when Chloe Zhao was creating the the character, she she took on a lot of influences from uh, Man of Steel, from Superman and Man of Steel, and you can see that you can really see that kind of groundedy sort of um sort of almost human. They they all look human, obviously, but um yeah, that kind of grounded sort of character um who has these powers, but is also a leader and 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 things. Yeah, um, we so we see that we see uh. Dina creating her like blades and, and her blades, her shields and stuff. Um, I, I, and yeah, she's a very interesting type of of um of character who can yeah she can basically just create weapons um out of out of any energy and stuff. We see her um you know like the way she kind of slides past the the deviant and 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 stuff like that. That's she's kind of the um what i thought was gonna be quite a stereotypical sort of um i thought she would probably be like a leader or, or of some sort um but she's very much uh sort of used as like a, a the muscle essentially we we do obviously get to learn more about her though and how she um has or she gets some sort of like medical psychological condition but we'll get into that um uh we then find also about so cersei um so Gemma chan is cersei uh he, she can change uh matter just through physical contact and things um again a kind of really strange sort of um power set that she has but someone who is increasingly um embodied with human and, and you know from from this from the start she was the one that was uh living or dealing with the humans like a, a, a pretty much a ground level you know helping them grow crops um create food 
and um and advance things kind of that way and um, we see kingo who uh has essentially like guns in his hand to shoot out the cosmic energy pew, 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 pew. um he was kind of like an action star basically um you know that's kind of the way that i saw obviously he transcended into movies and things as well within within eternals which was an interesting take um but yeah he seemed to be like the the kind of it was almost like a no-nonsense sort of um shoot first kind of kind of guy that's the way i sort of took it but um that, that was a kind of uh an interesting choice of actor for that sort of character um but it does uh it does kind of pay off later on and find out about what he's been doing in the in the years uh since um sprite we see sprite who can essentially project illusions um it's again a kind of really strange sort of skill to or, or power to have um but she can create illusions herself um you know even as a big storyteller with like fireworks and, t- and telling uh stories about how uh how the turtles came to earth that sort of thing and uh yeah uh i, I kind of Again, all these Eternals have really interesting sort of powers. Or kind of so apart from apart from Icarus, who is pretty much straightforward. Um, uh, yeah, so that's what Sprite can do. Um, Fastos is the the engineer. We we see what he does there. He's kind of the the brains behind it, I suppose. Brains behind uh the the advancement for um uh for humanity. Um, Druig, who can manipulate the minds of of people and um gilgamesh who is basically the, the, the big boy the big strong um muscular uh powerful kind of kind of dude um and then we had Ma- makari makari Ma- makari i think it's makari um who is basically flash <laughs> can run really fast um she's also deaf which is really really interesting um and then we finally have Ajax, who's leader of, or the the sort of, um, Arashem's general, basically. Arashem's the big boy. Ajax is the is the, the sort of mother to the Eternals, basically. Um, so yeah, we get to see about all their uh, all their skills and things like that, and and how they um how they fight, and then we get to see more about what they did with the. Uh, with humanity and and how they can how they progressed uh humanity from i don't say savages but from like um complete like a basic understanding of things to then um you know moving on advancing with technology and things from there uh this is where we get yeah a a sex scene in, in a marvel film between icarus and uh cersei um I mean, I I can just say for certain, I'm just glad I was there myself. Or maybe maybe it's maybe I'm not glad. Did people maybe look at me, uh, thinking? I mean, I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't moving quickly or or doing anything. But <laughs> I don't I don't know I don't know where I'm going with here. I don't know where I'm going with here. Um, but I'm glad I wasn't with my like mum or dad or something. Uh, that would you know it's one of those that when you're watching something, nothing happens, and then when your mum or your dad walks in, it's like. 
a graphic sex scene. It wasn't graphic. I'll just I'll just put it there. <laughs> it wasn't a graphic sex scene. Uh, but it certainly took my surprise. It, uh, you know, we saw a bit more than than expected. Than expected, no sex scene. But yes, anyway. <laughs> right, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on the sex scene. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't very detailed or anything, but still, but still. I didn't want to spend too much time on, on that. Um, there's a lot of bits and pieces, obviously, that happen. Uh, but we come to the present day uh, where Cersei and Sprite are together. Um, and Cersei works at the Natural History Museum with a human, Mr. Dean Whitman. And there's obviously like a... They've also got some form of relationship that we then see uh, that they... You know, they go out clubbing um, and, and take Sprite as well, who has to change into some older person and stuff. Uh, but yeah, we see them that they that uh, Cersei has a relationship with uh, Dave Whitman, who is played by Kit Harrington, uh, who was um, obviously Jon Snow in, in Game of Thrones. It's really interesting to see as well, or to hear, sorry, uh, Jon Snow talking about Cersei because again if you're not if you don't know Game of Thrones or if you've not ever watched Game of Thrones or not a fan of Game of Thrones um basically the main bad person or the main adversary for for Jon Snow is a a, a lady called Cersei spelt differently um but said exactly but pronounced that same way so for Jon Snow to have a, a relationship with Cersei um it was kind of interesting I mean, again, if it, but yeah, we don't talk about Game of Thrones because Game of Thrones last season was disgraceful. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> just, a, just a kind of interesting sort of uh, sort of thing there. Uh, but there is an earthquake while they're uh, while they're at work, um, and later on they're actually attacked uh, by a deviant um, through the waters of uh, I think through the Thames, I'm assuming, in London, um, with um, Icarus. Uh, actually showing up and 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 help him fight and and send uh, the creature away so the deviant is actually called I, I don't think we ever get told this um i don't think we're ever actually told his name the, the deviant's name but it's, it's actually uh called crow k-r-o and is voiced by bill skarsgård um who is well known for being pennywise from from it um Again, you know, he's not talking now, but we'll find out that later on he does kind of uh, does kind of talk. Um, and uh, and yeah, so then basically, you know, realizing that the demons have returned, the uh, the three um, so Icarus, Cersei, and Sprite end up going to South Dakota, um, to 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 find Ajax, uh, only to find that she is dead. Sama Hayek is dead this early in the film. Oh yes, um, Ajax, 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 not Ajax, because that's I'm sure it's a cleaning product. Um, and Ajax also the football team, but Ajax is dead. The so that the um the shot here is excellent. There's the fire in the background. Her body is um like on the ground. Um, it's like a dusky kind of uh time, and. Yeah, again, this is this is where the direction from Chloe Zhao is spot on, absolutely spot on. Looks brilliant, looks incredible. Um, again, it, it's quite a, a a sort of intimate moment where uh, Cersei is then 
oh sorry all three of them really are, are mourning her death and stuff um there's actually a moment in uh ajak's house where sprite conjures up a um like an illusion of uh ajak teaching her uh, teaching her how to dance and stuff i think it was um very emotional uh really intimate moment and again just just looks um beautiful also sad as well but um yeah it looks absolutely beautiful um cersei is is given ajax like there's a weird like globey thing that's uh, in her chest that allows her to speak to arashem the celestial um and that um goes inside cersei uh on once to find once to see that um that ajax is dead uh so cersei is then able to communicate with arashem who reveals that it was the actual mission um to earth wasn't about just fighting deviants but prepare earth for the emergence uh essentially what that is is that the the there's been certain planets that have been chosen to have like a celestial grow in them for so many years and then that planet is destroyed and a celestial emerges now obviously celestials are needed for the creation of universes for the creation of worlds um so it's almost seen as like a uh like a you know kind of necessary sacrifice of said planet or said world to then create billions of other lives across different universes and things i i thought it was quite an interesting take on it to be perfectly honest uh i think it gets to a point where you know we're so centered on earth that's also where, where we are and you know that's what we relate to um because we are on this floating rock called earth um and it's i think it can be quite hard especially you know once we've had thanos where it was like the, the big bad was the it was to do with you know wiping out half the universe and stuff and again we're still centered on earth and things like that as well there so treating earth as like a um essentially an egg that that is destined to be you know not destroyed but destined to be it's got an end date essentially um and the end date is uh is kind of chosen by the celestials uh it, it kind of adds like a, a more sort of not not really sinister but like uh it kind of shows how insignificant that that we are uh, on earth um so i quite liked the, the, the i quite liked the the, the way that they, they think of earth in, in that sort of instance it kind of um it, yeah it kind of gives us a bit of a um yeah, like I say, insignificance in terms of the future, in terms of, sorry, not future, the, the universe and out of the many different universes and things. So I'm interested to see how that will develop kind of going forward. Um, the Deviants were uh, were sent, so it's not the first time that the Celestials have done this, but the Deviants were sent to like, you know, the early worlds to kill off the Apex Predators on each, each planet, but then evolved and became... Um, more of a threat to uh the actual planet essentially um and that's why the the, the eternals are there basically to to, to call them so th you kind of think of of um you know how there's like necessary or there's like the call of like over here we sometimes have or i think there's like the call of like deer and things like that um which are are, are needed for uh 
know, keep a balanced sort of ecosystem. That's kind of what the Eternals are there to do, essentially, is call the Deviants and, and, and keep keep things going to a point that then the Celestial is then able to emerge. It's called the Emergence, emerge from the um the dying, or the, or the planet, basically. Um, and now, with the reversal of the blip, with the reversal of Thanos' click, uh, it's, yeah, it, it Earth is now at the point of um the emergence basically um but the eternals have been there for so long uh and have developed relationships with also between themselves but also with humans as we say we spoke about you know cersei how she has a relationship with a human um dane whitman uh or, or you know john snow uh and yeah they, they, they basically a few of them decide to get back to, or they decide to get back together and potentially try and stop stop the emergence um meet back up with kingo who is now a bollywood star uh and has been a bollywood star through uh, decades generations um in fact hundreds yeah we probably hundreds of years wouldn't it yeah um uh, but he's been able to keep that going saying it's he's like the next person in line so like it's his dad his granddad that sort of thing um and there's there's a fantastic scene where uh it's like they're on the set of the Bollywood film for for um for Kingo and, and he there's this massive you know, like extravagant Bollywood dance that happens and it's all about uh the Eternals and things and it's it's great to see him as like a um a kind of movie starry sort of thing um yeah it, it it's it's a really interesting take on a character that um I think. I think uh, Kumal Nanjiani is like the perfect person for, and then of course I see his uh, his little pal, and um, the Karun uh, is it? I think it's Karun. Um, his little pal Karun, who's like his little aide, basically, uh, is is fantastic and is uh, a really high high point in the film. Like he's 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 a comic relief without being a clown. Um, and he's basically just a, a human being who, who you know, loves this eter this um <laughs> this um what's his, what's the word a, a, a basically this person who you know can never die is eternal stuff um and yeah he just he just loves him adores him and and does everything for him and stuff and there's so much emotion that comes from him as well he's not he's like i say he's not just used as a comic relief he is a genuinely um he's, he's our end basically he's what we would be compared to uh these eternals and it's um it's really refreshing to see the comic relief not just be played for the clown the whole time he's um a genuine genuinely interesting part of the story um the meet uh, they they get together again with Athena and Gilgamesh who have this fantastic platonic relationship. It's it's um it's not like lovers, but they're they're just really good pals and and it's almost like Gilgamesh is Athena's um carer essentially. Athena uh, has this uh, issue uh, to do with her her mind and basically turns into every so often she can actually. Flip, flip a switch um and you don't doesn't know what's gonna happen and she essentially tries to kill 
I think it's everyone. She tries to kill everyone that she's around or, or something. But it's something to do with like her mind is, is just over the years has um, deteriorated. Um, and yeah, it's, it's again, a, a great way of showing a, a relationship that doesn't have to be like a sexual relationship or a romantic relationship. It's purely, you know, um, they obviously love each other. And obviously Gilgamesh loves um, Dina in, in more than just a, a romantic way. He, he literally um, dotes on her. Um, and it's it's a great, a fantastic relationship they got there. Uh, they head out to the Amazon rainforest. Uh, with to to see Druig. Um, who is con- basically in this isolated, uh, community, um, with these these people that he is basically controlling their mind, um, and then they're attacked by Crow and the Deviants. Now the the fight scenes here are brilliant. Um, really well made. Again, it's low lighting. Um, using just the natural light, of the forest and th- uh, things. Um, there isn't any artificial light at all. The Chloe Zhao uses the the natural light perfectly, and this is something else she did in Nomadland, which um is use the world uh as as the stage as opposed to you know sometimes it can feel fake or sometimes it, you can you know the fight scenes are, are illuminated out of, out of nowhere um but yeah like using the natural light of that the, the light of the energy that they, they set off so when icarus is um uh kind of taken down and stuff he's shooting his yellow laser bolts and stuff that is the that is some of the only light that we have um yeah it's a ph- phenomenal phenomenal scene a phenomenal uh, sort of whole uh part of the film to be honest and not just like one scene um now crow who is the the one that's the like the main deviant uh he the rest of the deviants basically get killed uh but crow actually kills gilgamesh and like sucks in his power and stuff um because that's how he evolves he like basically takes in like their spirit kind of thing and uh becomes like powerful uh is able to speak is able to um has thoughts about how the turtles are um i can't remember exactly what he says but he's he he talks about how or he kind of it's almost like ultron his thing is that the turtles are are need to be stopped that kind of thing essentially um and yeah, that's kind. Of, that's kind of the um where we where we first hear Bill Skarsgård as as Crow. I didn't actually, um, it didn't click to me that that it was him, uh, that it was Bill Skarsgård until I saw the credits and then, um, obviously looked up about it more. Uh, and and you know the the deviant Crow was actually a really interesting, and a really interesting character. Um, yeah, that 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 I I think, well, I don't want to give away, you know much just now but again i think it was quite underused to be perfectly honest it could have been a really interesting villain <clears throat> um they visit fastos who is the the first openly gay character um in sorry first openly gay superhero sorry uh in a in a mcu film he's living this life uh i believe it's in detroit or something with 
uh, with his his husband and and their son. Um, and they work out a plan to put the the sleeping celestial so uh, Tiamat 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 to sleep by basically amplifying Drake's mind control powers with what's called a, a unimind. Um, and and yeah, that's the kind of plan is to to stop emergence that way. Uh, they get back to the ship, the the domo again. Brilliant visual of, of the domo um, coming out of the like ruins. Um, I don't know if it's ruins of, of Babylon or something. It's the ruins of, uh, of something. Uh, and yeah, it, lo- it looks really cool. And they find Makari is in there who's been living on the ship. Um, uh, it, it's surrounded by all these different artifacts and uh, texts and, you know, like all these things from throughout throughout history uh and and so so makari is obviously is deaf and it's a really there's again there's a fantastically uh, this is more of a romantic relationship as, or so i thought anyway um between makari and druig um where they're obviously talking in sign language and things and and have a lot of love for each other so again it's another another relationship within the eternal switch I really found I really found quite um compelling, quite uh quite heartwarming actually. Druig seems like this sort of like kind of cold character, but he obviously has the love in his heart for um for Makari. Um now Icarus uh kind of reveals his his sort of um his his plan is, is to you know why he can't allow the emergence and essentially it, it comes out that uh icarus was told of the emergence by ajak at ages ago in south dakota and things uh sorry ages when i think it was in the, in the ancient city of babylon is where um they spoke about it and he he chose to remain loyal to arsham and, and believed in arsham's sort of plan and, and thought all this was um was meant to, meant to happen basically because you know these the eternals are actually like created like <laughs> clones things they're basically created their minds wiped each time and they are again i'll say they are to uh, stop the deviants from um causing any issues with the emergence um icarus actually had ended up six days uh six days prior to all this sort of things happening the present day stuff uh he actually essentially fed ajak to the the deviants he so in the fight in london with cersei sprite and john snow the deviant they fight is able to heal himself uh and that is one of the things that that was like ajak's power basically so he fed Ajax to the the deviants that were that were found in I think it was in Alaska where where like the ice caps had melted obviously, um, and they then the main one crow had had taken her powers once they'd once they killed her and that's why he was able to do that. And then obviously again with the, the Gilgamesh thing that's why he's able to now fight and and think and learn and that sort of thing because he's evolved. He's taken in Gilgamesh's um powers. So yes, so Icarus killed Ajak and planted her body back at her place to make it look uh, like it was to make it look like it was um 
the deviant that, that actually did it. Um, Sprite goes with Icarus. Well, I th I th um, well, they talk about how, I think it was Kingo actually that says, Kingo or Drew, I can't quite remember, says about how Sprite has loved uh, Icarus for pretty much the whole time. Uh, but obviously she is not able to, or she looks like a kid the whole time, so I'm guessing that's why obviously never went any further, which would be kind of weird. Um, and then, yeah, Kingo leaves. He doesn't want to fight Arashem or fight his, his teammates' stuff, essentially. Um, Makari finds a place of emergence. Uh, again, the scenes where it comes to um, the the fast movement, the the so the the flash like speedy movement of of Makari is is brilliant. Um, it, it's a lot more realistic uh, than than I think DC do it with Flash. I really like the way they did it with Makari. Um, it just felt kind of natural. It didn't feel uh, completely random and, and fake. I know, it is, I know it isn't real, but it just felt a lot, I felt like it felt like a lot more natural than, um, than like we've seen previously in, in other movies about fast moving. Um, fast moving people basically uh but yeah she finds the uh emergence uh, and uh, essentially the other turtles battle icarus and sprite who want to stop them from using the uni mine to put tiamat to sleep um so now crow kind of turns up again and, and, and has a fight with a lot of them uh and essentially uses uses Thena in this like weird little cave kind of thing and has a hold of her and blah 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 uh, and Thena actually kills him uh, it's just, it looks like she's in her little mind state and stuff but Thena actually kills him so this is where I think Crow is really underused um, again I suppose it's one of those things where it's not like it's not like there's a, a, a big baddie i think a lot of marvel films can get stuck in the <clears throat> uh can get stuck in like the typical um movie structure of you know uh it's the opening the sort of the the backstory uh there's a bit of um a bit of strife that the character goes through uh and then in the third act they fight they have a big battle a big cgi battle with um with the bad person that's put them through that strife uh so i i kind of get that i kind of like the fact that it wasn't just as straightforward as that but i do think that the character of crow could have been quite an interesting foil for the Inter eternals um it, or even going forward even not you know not even necessarily um in just the in, in just eternals could have potentially been foil going forward for whether that's eternals 2 i know we've got a lot of um potential big bads coming up well of course with the celestials um of course with uh, kang the conqueror uh, all the different versions of kang the conqueror uh and things like that so i i, I get it i get it it's really self-contained but i i think that crow could have been used more um but obviously he's, he's then killed <clears throat> um and yeah the turtles work together they manage they can keep icarus uh subdued 
Well, Fastos does the Unimind. Icarus breaks free of his straight, uh, tries to kill Cersei, or goes to kill Cersei, but he can't do it, obviously, because he still essentially loves her. Uh, and, and they all get together, do the Unimind, which is such a, I just feel such a weird, a weird uh, name for like a thing. But yeah, anyway. Uh, and Cersei is able to turn Tiamat to marble using the, um, using the Unimind. <clears throat> uh, and we uh, again this like I was talking about the substance style over substance this looks amazing unbelievable this is some of the best and I'm just saying this now this is some of the best visuals that I've seen in any Marvel movies um, the whole Celestial coming out of the out of the water uh, the when it turned into, into, into this like marbly thing then the views we see outside of, uh, like, like looking down on Earth, basically, and we see like part of his head and his hand kind of, it looks unbelievable, like genuinely incredible, incredible. I I was blown away by it, um, <clears throat> but yeah, phenomenal. Um, Icarus does what Icarus does, of course. It's almost destiny, I suppose. Uh, flying at the sun, uh, with. Uh, you know, being so guilty after what, he, what he's done and what he's put the turnips through. Um, and Cersei is able to use whatever energy she has left to turn Sprite into a human so that she can actually um, grow up as opposed to just be stuck in this, uh, you know, state forever, basically. Um, so Thena, Druig and Makari go to the Domo to find other Eternals and other universes um, to obviously, you know, tell them uh, about what about what is actually happening for them um and Cersei Fastos Kingo and Sprite stay on earth uh, Dane talks about his love for Cersei and again this is you know a weird thing because Jon Snow saying he loves he actually says I line I love you Cersei which is weird for <laughs> Jon Snow because the the main foil of Game of Thrones was was uh, Cersei Lannister um so yeah that, that was quite a a, a weird I don't know if they did, I'm assuming they probably did that for that sake, for that purpose, uh, but it was kind of strange to hear it. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's, that's, that's fine. Um, it's a talking point, I suppose. Um, and uh, yeah, as he does, uh, Arashem turns up and, and takes her, Fastos and Kingo into space and basically says that that he is going to spare humanity if the Eternals can show with their memory that that humans are worth are worthy of keeping, basically. Um, uh, but he's going to turn. He's going to come back for judgment and stuff, and takes the three of them away with him. And then that's basically the end of it. <laughs> that's kind of the end of it. Uh, there is obviously you know known Marvel. There is a couple of credit post credit scenes, sorry, or mid credits, and then a post credit scene. Uh, and uh, and yeah, I think these scenes maybe maybe are quite uh, well. The first one, anyway, I, I think is probably quite a quite a doozy for for quite a lot of folk. So yes, the credit scene, the first mid credit scene, we have uh, Thena Makari and Druig on the uh, on the, the the domo, and there's like a an almost like a uh, Doctor Strange type portal kind of thing that 
and, and out pops this weird little like troll um who's actually called pip the troll um yeah and and, and it's it's a, a very um I, I don't know if, if you may you may or may not be aware but it's a very uh unmistakable voice uh pat and oswald is uh voicing this troll called pip and he introduces uh this um this superhero uh or or this other eternal who's actually thanos's brother star fox um uh, the eternal eros who is played by harry styles <laughs> now before people give harry styles shit because i know there will be and i know that people that are gonna say he's, he's fucked it and stuff harry styles is actually a really good actor so he was really good in dunkirk um one of the the, the plus points of dunkirk um so i'm really interested to see what what happens and what he brings to um to kind of the role we'll we'll see what happens but um yeah i mean i i trust obviously kevin feige and and the whole vision because you know everything goes through kevin feige so i trust what is is going to be happening but um yeah it's kind of a weird a weird scene um but it's interesting to see harry styles uh now in the mcu so i don't know if, i don't know if that would make well i wonder if one, if one direction are actually part of the mcu canon or what i don't know we'll see then the post credit scene so the post credit scene um is another really interesting thing that sets up uh stuff going forward so basically uh before Cersei was taken. Dane talks about how his family. It says Cersei's family history is a bit, uh, is a bit mud or not muddled, a bit um stranger or something than, than they thought, <clears throat> and uh, we see Dane here with a with a chest with the, the seal of his family on there, and he opens it and it's a sword. So the sword is called the Ebony Blade, uh, and it was wielded, um, by by Black Knight, uh, across different generations uh, basically from medieval onward essentially so uh, dane whitman is a character that took on the mantle of um of black knight in the comics um so it will be yeah it's basically setting up the black knight um films and stuff going forward i don't know if the films have actually announced or what but um yeah that's gonna be really cool and just before he like picks it up there's a person off screen who asks him if he's ready for it? Who asks Mister Whitman if he's if he's if he's ready for it? Do you think you're ready for Mister Whitman? And now that voice, it was actually uncredited, but that voice is uh, Mahershala Ali, who is cast as Blade, who has been cast as Blade already, uh, and is going to be starring in, in in his own film, as uh, his own self-titled film. So Blade, so Blade, um, Blade is. If you, I mean, if you've not seen the Blade films, uh, from before the MCU, so like the late, late nineties, but like nineteen ninety eight, no, nice. I think it was like I think it was late nineties anyway. Um, I think they were. Would it have been late nineties or early two thousands? I think I think it was actually a bit of both. Late, I think it was between like ninety seven, ninety eight, and then like two thousand to two thousand four roughly i think trinity says in four uh but we don't talk about trinity blade one and blade two Im impeccable films um the first or the i've always said that the spider-man films are the ones that paved the way for 
the broad scope so that the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films paved the way with the broad scope of um, comic book movies to be actually good. Um, but Blade were the, were the first ones to be great R-rated films. The whole vampire thing is it's just incredible. Uh, if you've not seen the Blade films, I don't know if they're on Netflix or what, but I would ge- like genuinely recommend seeking them out. They're they're um, funny, they're creepy, they're scary, they're gory. Blade is brilliant. Blade is absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Um, so yes, we are setting up, setting up Blade going forward. So yes, so Mar the the Eternals. So the Eternals. Let's let's talk about how I felt about Eternals. So as I say, with with Eternals, I, I I felt like there was a lot of style over substance, and I felt like it was setting up, or it was yeah, it was more setting up things than it was doing things for itself. Which I I mean, it might be that it fits in well in the whole um in the whole universe in the whole cinematic universe, or at least Phase Four going forward. It might be that this is exactly what Phase Four needs, and that's great. But it just felt, it just felt like a bit of a letdown for me. It it felt that like it focused more on the different, like if yeah, it's weird. So I don't feel like the characters who were, as I say, the cast was so diverse, so um inclusive, and they were great. I would have loved to have seen. Um, or love to got to know them properly, and and for them to be used more, of it. especially Athena as well. We didn't really like. I didn't feel like she was used as much. Angelina, you know, Angelina Jolie's a, a very well known actress, but I thought they would have absolutely used the shit out of her, but they didn't. Um, it just kind of felt that it was it was going through the motions a little bit. Um, and it's a shame. Because as I say, it has actually set up some really cool things. It set up some, uh, you know, it's it's set up Arishim, it's set up the Celestials, it's set up, uh, like even the more grounded things like are like Blade going forward, um, and then the more fantastical things like Star Fox and Pip the Troll and uh, Eternals and different universes and different uh worlds, um, but much like Nomadland, it just felt very, very, very um style over over substance and um yeah i was kind of disappointed with that and it, it kind of just felt eh. especially after having just had after just having had shang chi which i i rated you know eight out of ten um it did although it had random stuff <laughs> with the dragons and things and uh yeah it, i just felt that like Shang-Chi did an origin story better? I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a tough one because, like, I'm trying to, like, explain. I, I try not to be too... I'm trying not to be too, like, critical of it because it there was a lot of really cool parts and it, it wasn't all just because of Chloe Zhao's direction is Chloe Zhao's writing because that was the direction was some of the really uh, interesting parts from it 
I would love to see a Chloe Zhao film where she hasn't written it. I'd love to see what she can do in that way. But I, I, it might be that she doesn't want to do that. It might be that she doesn't want, um, you know, I, I appreciate that, that some uh, creators, directors want to uh, film the things that they have created from scratch or things that they have um, more of a piece of the pie, if that makes sense. Um, but yes, I really think it would be interesting to see a Chloe Zhao film because she's a phenomenal director um, that's not written by her. That's what I'd love to see. That is, that is, that's what I'd love to see. So even if, like, imagine, she, imagine Chloe Zhao did, um, one of the Avengers films, Infinity War or Endgame. Didn't write it, but directed it. I think that would be just great. Um, but there we go. It is what it is. It is what it is. But we are getting obviously more and more. As I spoke about this before, we're getting more and more bigger directors or like, uh, more auteurs is that the word i think that's the word doing marvel films so we may see someone the same par as chloe Zhao or you know someone with a with an actual um artistic take on the bigger parts of the mcu but we'll see what happens we'll see what happens so yeah before i kind of go into the scoring and and final thoughts and things i'll go through a bit of the, the trivia and stuff as well um so i mean firstly it says about uh Gemma chan not expecting to return to the mcu after being in captain marvel uh there's been a few characters that we've kind of spoke about before actually who uh have been in one i think maximum two mcu films they don't do it very often but um Gemma chan's a great actress i'm really glad that they they decided to bring her back i think she added a real human element to um to Cersei um and that's quite ironic because she's been in a show called Humans um Makari portrayed by deaf actress Lauren Ridloff, Lauren Ridloff is the first MCU deaf superhero so again the, the uh diversity of the cast was incredible um and the fact that Lauren Ridloff is deaf obviously you know it, it can be so easy for them to be like oh we'll have this deaf character and just cast I don't know. I don't know. Just cast whoever um to to play them. But the fact that she was uh, deaf, I, I'm interested to see what sort of uh issues or what sort of um adaptations they had to make on the set for that and how it works for um for the actress. Because that must be really hard, both for director to direct a, a deaf actress, but also for the um the actress to to um you know movie sets especially at this scale uh are, are are gigantic and stuff so um yeah it must have been quite quite a challenge for them all and and um i'm glad they did it i'm glad they glad they did it because when people talk about diversity it, it's always like you know i'm, I'm a straight white male like i i you know there, there's there's white males in, every, in everything they're always the hero um but you know, for someone who who may be deaf, uh, like I've actually, I've got a, a, my cousin's married to, to a deaf lady. Um, for for someone who's deaf to see a character on on the screen who is the same as them, even you know, like a little kid, you know, um, it must be so empowering. Um, and same goes for, you know, the, the cast. We had a, a Pakistani actor in Kumail Nanjiani. Um, Chloe Zhao, who is a an Asian, I, I believe, uh, director. Um. Uh, you know, 
it's it's must be like so uh so empowering to to, to see and hear of, of um superheroes and and the people that make these films being the same as you um but yeah um so eternals is the second mcu film that ramen jawadi has scored the first being the original iron man in phase one which began the marvel cinematic universe now jawadi he is the um the composer of the game of thrones uh you know theme tune and and soundtrack uh and it was really interesting to see his take on it some of the music especially in the fight scenes were were really intense and really well put together i did i actually noticed myself a few times uh catching on to the onto this the score and being like oh shit that's actually adding to this um and i know a lot of time the score should all should be like in the background um but if you can if you can actually notice the score enhancing the um enhancing your enjoyment or enhancing the 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 movie or tv show then i think that's well, it's obviously the sign of a good score um running at 157 minutes so 2 hours 37 it's the second longest running film in the mcu after endgame which ran for three hours one minute i must admit it did kind of feel long at points um uh but it's interesting that it's the second longest running film uh spider-man no way home has been confirmed as being two hours 28 i believe so that'll be i'm guessing the third longest um but yeah we'll 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 see uh this is the first mcu film since incredible hulk to receive a pg-13 rating for sexual content alongside violence well uh, as i say we've spoken about the um <laughs> the sex scene um between between uh icarus and, and, and cersei um <laughs> yeah i just i just can't believe they did that and I, to be fair i can't believe um and it's up on it i can't believe they had the balls to do that like fair play to them i love it i love it um chloe Zhao cites the revenant as an influence on the film's action sequences i see that you know we spoke about the natural lighting uh the part where icarus's head is pushed down as well is very remnant to um leo's uh, character being you know mauled by the bear i'm pretty sure his head his head gets pushed down and like like very much like that but yeah the natural lighting um is something that obviously alfonso Curon did Curon, i'm sure it's him uh did in revenant with uh with leo i know it was like longer takes and stuff but um yeah it, it looked really um you can definitely see the influence in there and, and it, i think it really helps i think it's 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 uh, understandable uh why they uh why she took an influence um from that um yeah so it says Gemma Chan previously portrayed Minerva in the MCU film Captain Marvel so I was saying it was like uh, um it is interesting to have seen uh her in another film as well um so Charlie Hunnam Alexander Skarsgård Army Hammer and Sam Hukin 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 uh, were considered for the role of Icarus for Richard Madden was cast. I, you know, Charlie Hunnam gets a lot of shit, but I like him. I like him. Um, Alexander Skarsgård would have been a very interesting choice. I think Richard Madden did pretty well as Icarus, to be fair. Um, it's, he, he had humour as well as, as being a bit of a, a bit of a dick. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it, uh, 
I, I, I don't know if others could have done as well as him, to be honest. Um... I'm not sure. Uh, the second time Richard Madden and Kit Harington have starred together after Game of Thrones as Rob Stark and Jon Snow. So again, the 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 Game of Thrones um link continues with Cersei, Jon Snow, Richard Madden, who was Rob Stark, Jon Snow's brother or like half brother in the show, um and the the score um as well. Um and uh, yeah, so so Chloe Zhao confirmed that the voice at the end of the second credit scene is. Mahershala Ali, who I'm so pumped, uh, I'm so pumped to see, um, yeah, going, going, uh, going forward, seeing what, what happens there. And the final bit of trivia, this is the first film not to feature any characters from any previous films. So again, you know, that's, that's quite a, quite a, a ballsy move, uh, from, from the creators to, to, to genuinely like, okay, they kind of touch on a couple of things, like, um, Thanos and stuff so like uh when Cersei tells Dane about who she actually is he asks why they weren't there to fight when Thanos um snapped half the universe that sort of thing um but uh yeah it's quite a ballsy move not to have anyone from previous films in it um so yeah yeah I thought that was um that was quite quite interesting way to do it but um yeah so we kind of already know my thoughts on uh on the film um but yeah we will do final thoughts quickly now so yes final thoughts so again it did a lot of things well it did a lot of things well it was directed incredibly well cinematography was beautiful it had a really diverse cast which was an interesting thing. A lot of interesting relationships. Um, it had some really good actors. It didn't deliver on a... Uh, sorry. Yeah, it didn't deliver on a lot of things for me, um, which I've explained in full detail. I won't go back into into my waffling about them. But yeah, it just felt like it was... It wasn't thinking about... It was. It was trying... Yeah, it just, <laughs> it just felt like it was um, completely stellar over substance. It was getting a bit messy. It was a bit... Um, the plot was kind of thin. And it really felt like it was more of a set-up film than an actual MCU film, is the way I see it. So I'm going to score it. Um Bear in mind, I gave Shang-Chi an 8 out of 10. So I'm going to give Eternals 6.5 out of 10. 6.5 out of 10. Um, yeah, 6.5 out of 10. I I've explained why, basically, but um, disappointing for me. Disappointing. Um, let me know what you think, of course. Uh, please let us know on, um, on Twitter, at DeliveryMCU. And um, yeah, let me know what you thought out of ten. Let me know your thoughts in general. I suppose don't just you don't have to tweet me a number between one and ten. Um, but yeah, let me know what your what your thoughts were because yours are more important than mine. So yes, that is us at the end of another episode of Delivery for Tony Stank. Um, a bit of not of a bummer, but a bit of a, a 
<laughs> downer. I'm sorry for making it a bit of a downer. Um, I should be in happy spirits because we're still getting Marvel films and Marvel content. Next thing is Hawkeye, uh, which by time recording, the first two episodes are actually out. I have watched them. Um, I will be doing a episode. I think we we'll do an episode each um, on them. And uh, every Wednesday until Christmas Eve, we're going to have a, a Hawkeye episode. I won't give my, my thoughts away on it just yet. I don't want to I don't want to um, give you guys an opportunity to not have to listen to the podcast and watch this because uh, I know you want to. <laughs> uh, but yes, Hawkeye is out. Um, so, so those episodes will be coming out. Hopefully uh, I can get it done before the next one, which is... Um, second no the first the first sorry uh the first is the next episode so hopefully i can get it probably bumper out potentially next week we'll see we'll see what happens um but i'll let you know check out on twitter um we're still running the competition so if you want to be in a chance to win this lovely pop um star lord t'challa and what if um just go on the Kofi, which you can find down here Kofi.com slash delivery for Tony Stank. Um, for as little as £2 a month, you get entered into the free draw. It's not free draw, you're paying for £2 a month. But you support the podcast and you get entered into the draw for the the um, pop. Um, our, our last two winners, uh, Todd and Mikey, have received theirs. I believe Mikey has anyway, I'm not sure. Um, but Todd put up a tweet, um, which you probably would have seen. And, um, and yeah, there's going to be more. So I've actually got... Uh, five others on the way so we've got a few to keep us going but the draw is going to be done at the end of the month so it is on Tuesdays the 30th so I'll do the draw then Um, so you've got until uh, you know if you want to do it on the 30th you certainly can do to be in to be in for the draw if you want uh, go ahead and, and have a look but um, yes that is us for the Delivery for Tony Stank uh, podcast on Eternals Um, don't I mean you know don't feel like <laughs> If you haven't seen it already, don't feel like you have to share my opinion. And I apologize if uh, my opinion has uh, sullied your thoughts on the film or sullied your um, want to go and see the film. I would I would definitely recommend going and seeing it. It's going to be an important part of the MCU. It's going to be... Um, uh, it's, it's still an interesting film and there might be things that you picked up that I didn't. There might be things that you prefer to it that I haven't really, uh, you know... I, I might have missed or, or something but um please go see it let me know what you think uh and don't don't be put off by me um yeah don't be put off by me like saying it's <laughs> it's it's average um because i actually i read, read his tweet i think it was from digital suicide actually on twitter who said that it's going to be this thing is going to be classed as like the age of ultron of like phase four so it's like looking back it's actually a pretty decent film and it sets up quite a lot of different things um so yeah we'll see what happens it'll be interesting to see that but guys thank you very much for support i really appreciate it and uh our next episode we'll be back with hawkeye there will also be hopefully um a smaller kind of episode a little bit more of a easier digestible kind of episode um but i'm working on it we'll need to see how it goes with that i don't know when that'll be done but we'll see what happens but um guys thank you so much i really appreciate you uh take care and uh, I will see you all in the next one. Bye-bye.